Are you looking for the best tips and tricks to run a successful dental practice? You're in the right place. Welcome to Bulletproof Dental Practice, interviewing some of today's most successful dentists with your hosts, Dr. Peter Bolden and Dr. Craig Spodak. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to part two of, quote, working on your business or working on your practice. I'm Dr. Peter Bolden, and today I'm, again, alone because um, right now we're on the eve of the uh, Hurricane Irma kind of hitting Florida, and Craig is, um, has gotten his, his family to safety, and he's uh, obviously out of the mix for a while. So I wanted to kind of do finish up this part two um, while, it was, while it was pertinent and on my mind. And um, yeah, and so really praying for all the people uh, that might be affected by the hurricane. Today, I've got a quiet morning in my house. It's quite windy here, even in Atlanta. Um, but I wanted to take advantage and really iron out the part two part of what I had done last time. And part two, we're going to focus on more of the granular operations of those silos that I had mentioned. And the silos are useful, in my opinion, for putting things into buckets. And if you can recognize that there's four bigger components to working on your business, I think it's helpful rather than just having tons of systems scattered all over the place. So this is what's worked for me, but it may not be exactly what works for you. But again, you know, I'm not telling you how to do it. It's simply just to give ideas on what may be your methodology. Okay. So again, we're obviously just creating the scaffolding that is super important but there is more um, than just creating operations manuals, meaning that some of this you're going to hear and it's not so much, you can't really have it in a manual, but there are some things you need to be cognizant of as a business owner or the leader of your practice. And I'll get into that more like metrics and KPIs and just kind of being overly aware of some things. But again, you may not have a checklist or a system for that. Okay. So, to my mind, the operations manuals are created so that you can focus on your highest and best use. Meaning, if in your practice, the, the highest and best use of your time is doing all the dentistry, then awesome. If it's if the highest and best use is you scouting out practices for an acquisition, awesome. You know, or if you're a talented marketer or a KPI junkie, then great. You know, give yourself time to focus on those systems, to give yourself time to focus on those those characteristics. But the system has to stay in place day after day, regardless of, you know, even though you're focusing on a certain aspect, the systems of the other aspects have to stay in place day after day. So let's go over the first silo, the, the clinical system, um, the clinical systems. Because um, after all, everything is dependent on this. And I mean, we are in the business of providing dentistry, right? So the clinical silo, there might be a manual for each of these niches that live inside our practice. So there may be a hygiene manual, there may be a hygiene assistance manual, an assistance manual, a surgical manual, a doctor's manual, etc. Inside each of these manuals, there'd be everything that you, that could be needed. And you look at each procedure and look at each grain or procedure, clinical, non-clinical, and literally document it. Use your camera to take pictures and insert good images in that process list. For example, when I say the camera, that's really helped some of the things we do. So take take a picture of the tray setup that you have and you want it done a certain way. Like here's exactly how the tray should, setup should look. The, the room should appear right before the procedure takes place. So take an, a picture of your quote unquote ideal setups or ideal setups in, in any environment, whether that's a consultation, 
an examination, whatever it may be, obviously a class two composite, like here's this tray setup so that there's no, there's no uh, misinterpretation of how things should be done. So more examples of lists in, in the clinical, the clinical operations, um, the clinical silo. Here's how we greet a patient in the waiting area. Here's how we take a patient back. Here's the ideal hygiene exam. Here's the breaking down of a hygiene room, setting up of a hygiene room. Using, Here's how you use a digital SLR camera to take the 10 series shots that we take on every new patient. Here's the 10 series shots. You obviously get it. I mean, you really can't get too, you really can't get too specific when it comes to this kind of thing because um, the benefit you'll see is that sometimes if you get too specific and too niche, niched out with your list, that sometimes you can just merge them organically into one, but it still provides very methodical movement and checklist and such through that. Okay. And then even for restorative, you'll have, you know, here's how we set up a room for a composite. Here's how we do a veneer delivery. Here's how, anyway, you, you get what I'm saying. Put something down for every procedure. So I'm not going to list each and every process that you should document. Just remember that fifth grade analogy I spoke of earlier and how to create it because everyone learns and interprets on different levels. So let's bring it down to a common a common learning level and go from there. All right. So at this point, I think it's interesting to give an example of why list and checklist and documentation are important. My father flew, flew airplanes for over 40 years. He ended his career in Delta flying 747s and he had over about 40,000 hours in airplanes. Yet even on his last flight, literally his last flight. I mean, he's been doing this the better half of, um, you know, not the better half of his life for his pretty much entire adult life. And his last flight, he went through the operations manual and, and pre-flight checklist and post-flight checklist like he had been done it the first time, even though he literally could have done this in his sleep and knew the operations. He literally had the clipboard out going through it. And that's just how pilots, that's that's just commonplace in the, in the world of aviation, obviously, because there's a life's Lie, a lot of lives on the line, um, and it's a life and death situation. So you can't be too careful. Plus, the AA, the FAA pretty much makes you sure that you do all that um, <laughs> as well. But more importantly, having checklists and processes frees up the brain to focus on task at hand versus having to remember, having to use that bandwidth of memory to say, "Ah, oh, what was next? What was next? What was next?" <clears throat> and that obviously frees up your your workflow, so you can focus on things that are you know your highest and best use of your brain power. Not like okay, and I need to remember what is next, even though you've done it a hundred thousand times, you still have to remember and use that brain capacity to say what is next. All right, so that's a good kind of segue into the business operations silo. Now that we've kind of gotten the hand of checklist and documentation, we will apply the same level of intent, intent here. Start creating the business operations manuals and then inside of them, put every desired function that will take place in that. So, for example, you may have a front desk manual and this would have a checklist or procedural explanation for things like here's how we answer the phone. Here's our phone dialogue. Here's the quote quote unquote, the perfect phone dialogue. Here's how you greet a patient when they come in for a new patient visit. Here's how you scan documents. Here's how you close the end of the day. And this may be a checklist, right? <clears throat> and this silo is, is one that you might lean very heavily on your office manager to help construct and do it with them though, because in the process of doing it with them, you'll, you'll, it'll force you to kind of go through the process and you'll make it much better by likely modifying things, um, looking for efficiencies or strategies in them. Um, and two heads are kind of better than one. 
So that's a pretty, pretty simple silo. You know, there's business operations, you know, here's how we run payroll, everything that helps with the business functionality of the business of dentistry <laughs> needs to go in the business operations silo. Again, like I said, you may have a front desk, you may have an off, you may have an office manager manual because who knows that office manager may not be there your entire career. So it's nice to have the, the systems and, and, and the daily operations documented and here's how we do it. The third silo, uh, this happens to be a, a silo that is near and dear to my heart, which is the, the marketing silo. And I gave this its own silo because I feel like it's super important to be very cognizant of this if you want your practice to grow. And this is where I spend a lot of my time. I mean, this is my highest and best use for my practice. Somewhat. I mean, you know, it's kind of half clinical and half half this stuff. But remember this that you will uh, super perform in areas that you love and are passionate about. And this just happens to be one that I am. So technically, someone could challenge me and say, well, you know, if you make, you know, $3,000 an hour, for example, doing cases, and then the behind the scenes marketing has no direct measurable benefit, you know, sometimes it's hard to literally compare your highest and best used time. But you have to look at the overarching 30,000 foot view and say, well, you know, in the long term play, not just the short term analysis in the long term play, it's really hard to put a numeric calculation on what I'm doing. But remember, at scale, when you move into, into the third stage of the practice, which you learned from the first podcast, you may determine that, that spending time here means that you keep everyone else in your organization busier and better and faster or whatever, maybe, right? Maybe not better and faster, but you keep, you, you know, at, at this level, your job, stage three, the mature practice where you're going to have other providers helping attain the goal, it's kind of falls on you if this is if this is something you're passionate about to keep them busy through marketing and customer service and things like that. If this is a silo to work, quote, quote unquote, on your business, what do we need to do? Honestly, this could be an entire series on itself, like the marketing. And like I tell people who want to outsource marketing, that's okay, right? Like obviously we are dentists, we, are, we learned a craft and stay in your lane if it's not something you're passionate about. But, but, but learn enough about every aspect of the marketing so that at least you can have intelligent conversations and not get taken advantage of by vendors. Like just don't hand it off and say, well, I write you a check. And so that just should make it work. When people hear that, unfortunately, it, you know, a lot of people get taken advantage of and then they get burned by quote unquote marketers because the marketer or the, or, and I'm not saying this at all marketers, obviously there's some that are very ethical, but you know, it's just, it's just one of those things when, when, when you recognize that someone doesn't know what the heck you're doing, then you can do whatever you want and not be held accountable. So make sure you understand some of these concepts, even if you're not going to do them all yourself. Also that, that understanding helps you formulate kind of a yardstick and how you may measure the success for that marketer or vendor or whatever it may be. So here are some of the things to look at in your, in the marketing of your practice. And they will be a large determinant of your gross production, in my opinion. So you can have the, the most well-oiled, systems-dependent practice in the world. But if the growth is entirely predicated on word of mouth, then I always tell people that that will work. And that is the best form of growth because it's the, cheaper, the cheapest cost of acquisition. But be prepared. If you don't have external, great external marketing, be prepared for a very slow linear growth. 
And, you know, and a lot of people that just isn't enough for them because it takes 10 years, 15 years to really have the practice that just is self-sustaining and self-referring and you're not spending any on marketing. It just takes a long time. So if you're, if that's okay with you and that's what you've designed, awesome, more power to you. It will grow as long as your, your systems and you, and you are remarkable behind the scenes, then it will grow. But if you want to kind of expand and amplify what you've created, then you have to get the word out more than just relying on Sally Sue to tell two friends. And that's where your practice grows comes from. So here are some of the topics inside the marketing silo that you should become aware of and, and possibly learn about if you can. One is your online reputation management. It's crazy to me how many dentists don't even know what the reviews look like. Uh, they don't have a system in place for creating reviews. And unfortunately, that is not going to be a way in the future. Like you just can't ignore that anymore because so much of how people choose products or services is determined on the reviews in their community. Create a system or innovate a way to continually curate these quality reviews. And don't be afraid to literally ask people to leave a review, an authentic review. Can you leave an authentic review when you get home? Because we think we created an exceptional, valuable experience here but I'd love to hear your review of how our, how we did today. Like, don't be afraid to ask that. It's like, it's like some dentists get afraid to ask, hey, we want to ask for a friend's referral. Like they don't ask for it because, I don't know, it shows some vulnerability or, oh, I don't want people to think we're not busy or I don't want to look like we're begging. But like people like to be asked favors. You know, if it's simple for them to do, they, if they feel empowered to be able to do it. So don't be afraid to ask people to leave a review if you think you've created an exceptional experience. That's a top one that I think is important to be aware of, especially in this digital social media day and age. And then, you know, you want to look at things in your, your website. You want to look at how you created an experience on your website. You want to look at how many people came to your website and how long they stayed on your site through like the Google Analytics. You want to keep your eye on video production because that's the where technology in our society and just the media is going is production on video. Let people see your face. Let people hear you talk about treatment. You know, don't let it be a mystery of quote unquote, oh my gosh, what's this dentist going to be like when I show up? You know, video production is huge. Think about content creation. Like if you have a great idea for, I don't know, I mean, any, anything, if you want to start like, here are my tips for uh, curing bad breath, like create a, create a content creation, create an infographic, create something that adds value to the internet and you will be rewarded. Okay. Also be aware of, of things, of paid ads that are on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, AdWords, all these things become aware of how you can amplify your, your audience or, or traffic to your site with pay-per-click ads. Be still aware of press releases. They still have a little bit of value in, um, in marketing. Obviously, social media is huge. If you don't have a system in place, then it's, it's time to get on that boat. And if you feel like you're not the most technically savvy to do it or the, not the best person, then put it, then you can outsource it. But I would highly recommend you outsource that to someone in your team. And it's more than likely they're doing that throughout the day anyway. Just, you know, all of our teams are kind of on social media here and there in between patients or whatever and sneaking something here and there. So they're doing it already. Like, let's let them do it on the on behalf of the practice, not so much them. And maybe, maybe if there's someone who's the social media manager, maybe you give them, you know, a bonus every month based on on how much they've grown your social media channels or your audience or the engagement, things like that. 
Um, magazine and print, obviously still be aware that falls still in the marketing silo. Magazine and print still have some presence. You know, and I tell people uh, it's hard to really measure the effects of the magazine and print, but it does help from a branding and brand awareness category. So I still think there's a place, um, but it's really hard to track unless you have the call tracking numbers. But even then, like literally people will still look at your ad, Google you, find your website and call you from the, the number on your website. They're not going to straight up just call you from from the ad number that's listed on the ad. So that's why I don't love call tracking in terms of marketing and such, but um, because I feel like everyone, everything should be designed. The funnel should be designed to getting people to your highest and best asset, which should be your website. You know, all this is kind of like technology is a little bit daunting. You know, there's so much that we have to be, you know, get your grasp on There's Snapchat. I mean, everything kind of just is moving lightning speed because of our society. Like this technology is changing so much. So, one thing I thought was interesting, I saw a quote from Jeff Bezos, and he wrote that, quote, the balance of power is shifting towards consumers and away from companies. The right way to respond to this is if you're a company and you're putting vast amounts of your energy, attention, and dollars into building a great product or service, and then put a smaller amount into shouting about it, i.e. the marketing. You know, I said, here's all the things you can do for marketing, but again, the, the core of your marketing should be just like what he's saying is put the vast majority of your energy and attention and dollars into building that exceptional practice or that exceptional service or that exceptional whatever, that exceptional end result. And then use your strategic dollars to amplify that through the marketing that I kind of told you. And you're going to have to find out what works best in your community. So Fred Joyle said, you know, everything is marketing. You know, he has a book on that. And in dentistry, I don't think that's any different. Obviously, Fred writes and his audience is one of dentistry. So I don't think that's any different. Everything is marketing. And the customer customer experience, that's marketing. The thoughtfulness of your practice in times of like, let's say someone has a baby or a death in the family or getting very, very involved with people's life, like that's marketing. You know, asking asking for that referral of someone I told you about earlier, like some dentists are afraid to even ask for a referral from from a patient's friends or family. Like that's marketing, you know, down to even the beverages that you have in your reception area. You know, do you offer things more than just here's a little here's some bottle of waters from Costco? You know, do you have some some unique things like coconut water or you know, xylitol soft drinks or whatever, right? Like make it be intentional because everything is marketing. The last bucket, I think we covered off on on the marketing silo. So the last bucket um, is a pretty quick one. It's the metrics and the KPIs and how intelligent businesses scrutinize over their numbers. I feel like this should have been its own silo simply because at some point, you have to be able to measure all of the things, all of the other silos. You have to see what's working, right? Like when the rubber when the rubber meets the road, like is it pushing the needle forward? And you have to be able to focus on these things so that you can say like, hey, is all this effort leading to the bottom line? Because that's ultimately in the, the day, that's important too. Intelligent businesses, like I said, they scrutinize over their numbers. They study their P&Ls. They look for inefficiencies or gaps or problems. And they don't do it, well, I should say it surprises me how many of us get P&Ls like three or four, even six months in the rear. At that point, it's almost like a lag measure. Like there's nothing you can do about that strategically 
from data you're getting so far back like that's that's a whole like six months ago was forever ago like that's then it's just educational like okay there's nothing i can do about that now right so so strive to get some data quicker and more timely from your cpa if they can provide that so here might be a good point to talk about like lead and lag measures so a lag measure is something that is measures the ultimate goal of what you're trying to accomplish um like an increase in sales or profits however it's like i said it's always in the past and they're critically important. Like that data is still good when you get that PL, even if it's six months and you know, six months ago. But if, if you see a lag measure, there's nothing, there's nothing more that can be done about it. Like it, again, like I said, it's in the past. So a lead measure, on the other hand, is both predictive, meaning that they lead to the accomplishment of the lag measure or the goal, and that they are influenceable, meaning that you can do something about them. So that lead measure is both predictive and influenceable. Lead measures are all about narrowing your focus down to the two or three things that trigger the success of your end goal. This is why I love timely data because there are things that can be done about it. And this is why we have the bid, uh, you know, we've talked about some of the business intelligent dashboards um, and stuff that's integrated in with my patient management software. So here are some things that I look at from an overarching, like how's our practice doing? And I look at the true growth and, and so there's really five things that five metrics that I look at. Number one is the true growth of our patient base, not how many new patients are we getting a month? Because really that doesn't matter. If you have a hundred new patients a month and you're losing 120, then that treadmill is, is not working for you. So look at your true growth and your true growth is new patients minus your attrition and your software can tell you what that measure is. But I don't even really care too much about how many new patients did we get this month? Because if we lost more than we gained, then that's an inefficient business process. Number two, the number of patient visits that we had. If you focus on increasing the number of patient visits you have, um, that is likely to help the growth of your practice. And then that kind of parlays nicely into the dollar amount of, of per patient visit. So focus on the number of patient visits and the dollar amount per patient visit. And this can help show that you're creating some value and then look at the collections only again. I don't, I don't care so much of, you know, what did we quote unquote produce? I care about what actually the collections amounted to. And then lastly, I look at a lot of the overhead numbers because there aren't, there are, there are some things on there that aren't fixed cost. Like I don't look at the fixed cost P and L because they pretty much stay the same every time and they're fixed. That's the term fixed. But I look at some variable costs in the P and L like the supplies, equipment, the marketing. And honestly, if my overhead is more than around 61%, then I want to know why. And I know some people here may be laughing at that saying, oh, that's super high overhead. But for us, that's what works. And that's where we found our sweet spot is around that 61% overhead. Let's see. Let's think of some other things. Some other things that I look at, again, I talked about the some of the KPI, this falls in the KPIs, even though, even though it's mixed in with the marketing, um, because we're looking at the KPIs or this bucket of as truly just numbers to measure. Okay. So although what I'm about to mention next is not just about kind of, you know, a PL number, but it's also about just measurable numbers. And that is, I look at the Google analytics a lot. I look at the traffic sessions. I look at the time on site. I look at, you know, our lead funnel. I look at the entry and exit page. And so these are all kind of KPIs or metrics that I look at as well. And then I look at a lot of forms of our digital advertising. You know, how is the digital advertising performing? Has, has the cost per click risen? Has, you know, am I split testing ads? 
that's kind of it. Um, those are really the thing, the things that I put inside the metrics of the KPI bucket. And I feel a little bit exhausted. That wasn't supposed to be as long as the second part wasn't supposed to be as long as I thought, but I kind of went off on some tangents there, but I hope, I hope you guys liked it. Anyway, Craig and I may or may not have a book that is coming out, hopefully by the end of the year. It's obviously called The Bulletproof Dental Practice, and it'll cover off on some of these things a little bit more in depth. If you got some value or you like this, give a legit review. If you five-star it, awesome. If you hated it, well, then you know what? It's meritocracy. You have to live and abide by meritocracy. Then give a one-star review and tell me why you hated it and or how things could be improved. Additionally, if you have a friend or a colleague that could get some value from this, this podcast, make sure to use the share button and text it to them. Anyway, have a great weekend. Everyone stay safe and we will see you soon. Thanks so much for listening to Bulletproof Dental Practice with your hosts, Dr. Peter Bolden and Dr. Craig Spodak. Online at BulletproofDentalPractice.com. We'll catch you next time.